Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Andrew Kahn. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On today's episode, we are joined by a special guest. He is Michigan's program leader in receptions and receiving yards by a tight end. He recently retired from the NFL and has just launched a new podcast with a couple other former Michigan athletes. And he's an Ohio native here to preview the top 10 showdown between the Wolverines and Buckeyes on Saturday. Welcome, Jake Butt. Appreciate you guys, man. I was I was ready. You guys were kind of going in a circle there. I was ready to kind of just introduce myself, but Ryan, thank you. And yeah, it's good to be here. A lot to talk about. It's obviously the game this week, which I'm fired up, man. I'm fired <laughs> up. We're playing for all, all the marbles. Chance to this really kind of is the Big Ten championship. The winner of this game will probably be favored in the Big Ten championship. So you really are playing for all the marbles. But yeah, appreciate the introduction to the other podcast. If you guys have followed what Jared Wangler and Nico Pericos are doing. Um, they started an NIL company called Value Management Group. So now student athletes are able to monetize their name and their brand. They're able to make some money off the field, which is excellent. And it's even better that they're both former athletes because, you know, as I've talked to some other guys, it is so much to balance already when you have, you know, in-season lifting, then you have classes, then you have meetings, then you have practice, then you have study hall. You also got treatment, not to mention your girlfriend, your friends, your family. Then on top of all that, you got to try to manage signings and other stuff. So to have guys that are in-house that have lived it, walked it, have done it, super, super great. Happy to be working with them. We did start a podcast called The Players Podcast. You can see me on there just bringing different athletes on, you know, from the Michigan program, former athletes that are now professionals. Even we're going to have a former Ohio State Buckeye on today from my hometown. We're just going to kind of talk the rivalry. So some super good content. Also really excited to talk with you guys about the current state of Michigan football and the upcoming game this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure we, we kind of have to start there. And I know players always say, and it doesn't really matter what sport it is, that they take everything one game at a time and treat every opponent the same. But we all know, I mean, that really isn't the case for big rivalry games, especially when so much is riding on the outcome. Now, as a player, what, what is that week like leading up to the big game? Yeah, so the the process kind of stays the same. Like you're still going to have the you're limited by college, you know, rules. You still have the same allotted meeting time and practice time and all that's the same. But it's turned up a little bit. And whether you like it or not, like you can't get up for Indiana like you can for this game. Obviously with everything, you know, the narrative, the implications, especially for Michigan where man, if we win this game, it's a huge huge step forward for our program. So I know the players None of the outside stuff matters. They just want to win for themselves, and, and rightfully so. But you look at you know college football where if you can win this game, now the narrative starts to shift. Maybe that's a little bit more inviting to some of these top recruits. Maybe Coach Harbaugh can get a little bit more respect on his name, which I think he should have with his body of work throughout this season. It's just a massive, massive moment for, for our program, and I think the guys are ready for it. Ultimately, they're going to need to play their best games as a talented Ohio State team, but um, if there's a team that can do it, it's, it's those guys that are going to take the field on Saturday. Jake, as someone who grew up in the rivalry from the state of Ohio, how much did you as a player have to kind of motivate some of the, the, the guys on the team that maybe weren't, you know, didn't grow up in it, weren't from Michigan, weren't from the state of Ohio? Not really. You know, not really. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of double sided. So I grew up in that game. I mean, I didn't sleep that week. I, I wasn't thinking about class that week. I wasn't thinking about anything but the game. You know, I wanted it so bad. And that's true for anyone that's kind of grew up around the rivalry. But it's also infectious. So even if you're from an outside state or you maybe didn't necessarily grow up in the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, 
it doesn't take a, a super a rocket science to figure out what this week means. You know, you kind of just fall in line and, and, and the intensity in practice is turned up. The intensity in the meetings is turned up. The coaching's turned up. Of course, you know, the media, everything surrounding it is turned up a notch. And then you take the field Saturday and I mean, the switch gets flipped right away. So um, if you're not ready, you probably won't see the field. They'll find somebody else that's ready because there's plenty of guys that want to play in that game. So your, your family, it was Ohio State fans growing up, right? You, had a, you made the switch when you then, of course, enrolled. Yeah, yeah. So I, my basement was decked out in like the, you know, you know, was it the 0201 national championship game? I used to be a Buckeye fan and since converted, as you can see behind me, now my <laughs> basement's decked out in all maize and blue. So we, we don't mess with the Buckeyes anymore. I was going to say, we got the winged helmet. We see, you know, the big house and, and you know, a, a Jake Bud jersey hanging from the wall. I want to say seeing some of your family members in the stands at games over the years. For folks that don't know, they used to wear the jerseys, custom Michigan jerseys that said Papa Butt and Mama Butt. There might have been a head <laughs> butt. I don't know. That was, that was, it was great. It was great stuff. Yeah, man. I, I'm super lucky to have them. And I grew up and I hated my last name. I really, I told, I would come home and tell my dad I wanted to change it. I hated the first day of school because every single class was roll call. And they'd say your full name and then the whole class would erupt and laugh <laughs> it, like, but, you know, and it would, I'd get beat red and all pissed off. But it's funny how it works is, you know, then my family became like kind of like a brand ambassador. We kind of all worked on it together where <laughs> it's crazy how many people have come up and mentioned this to me or mentioned meeting my family, my mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters, and how well they treated them. And, and it's still kind of reaping the benefits of that today. Yeah, I'm sure you would have been a big NIL hit just from your name alone back in back when you played. No doubt. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I think so, too. I'm like, Jared, man, where, where, where were you? You should have been on the NCAA <laughs> while, while you were playing. <laughs> I read uh, read your Players' Tribune article from, from a few years back, and, and you visited that in that 2011 season. You visited Ann Arbor for that Notre Dame and Ohio State game. Just how influential were, were you being at those games in, in your college decision? So it's funny because that weekend I actually wanted to go to Penn State, Alabama in Penn State. I'm like, man, that's a huge game. I've never been to Penn State Stadium, Beaver Stadium. I'm like, I want to go check that out. My grandfather played at Notre Dame. He played for Frank Leahy. He was one of Leahy's lads. He's actually in Ripley's, believe it or not. He never lost the game from seventh grade all the way through college. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh -huh. So I'm like, well, we got to go watch. Actually, we got to go watch Notre Dame play. Like, hey, let's go check out the big house. It'll be a cool experience, but we're going to go watch Notre Dame play. And obviously, you know, if you remember that game, the first game under the lights, magical environment, elite game. Michigan pulled it off in the last second, and it felt like the tide kind of started to turn for Michigan there. I went to see the Michigan State game. It was it came down to the wire there. Michigan won again. Then I'm at the Michigan-Ohio State game. That was the year that Michigan, Ohio, Michigan won again. So it was everything tied together that year, and I'm like, Maybe I'm missing something here. Like I kind of am starting to really like this uh, University of Michigan. It's uh, the best blend of playing a national brand of football. You're going to play in all the big games. You're going to be on national television every single week. But then from an academic standpoint and alumni and networking standpoint, there is not a better university you could go to as a recruit. And I'll stand by that. Of course, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm still yet to be proven wrong in that sense. So, you, you know, you have your four games against Ohio State. 
And, you know, as Michigan fans know, the losing streak now is, is continued. So they were not victories, but a couple of those were very, very memorable games. You know, you think about the, the 2013 game, Devin Gardner's, you know, monster performance and the failed two-point conversion at the end. And then 2016, JT Barrett and the spot. So it's like the, these are memorable games where Michigan was, was right there either big picture or specific things like what, what stands out from those games? Are they harder hitting? Is there more trash talking just the intensity of, of those two rivals, man, you know, those, those two games in particular, and, and even the 2014, 2015 games, uh, 2014 was close all the way into halfway in the third quarter, 2015 might, maybe not as close, but the, those two games, we had been pretty beat up on our defensive side of the ball, especially defensive line And Ohio state is so damn talented every single year. I mean, I look at them and they have NFL players on the field and then they have NFL future NFL stars on the sideline, you know? So when you saw a couple of times, a quarterback would go down and they just shuffle in another future NFL quarterback, you know, it's unbelievable how much they reload. And and it's not going to be different this year, Michigan. It's true historically. And it will be true again this Saturday. You have to play your best game of the year. If you want to at least have a chance because the truth is, is the narrative around Ohio State football is they show up in big moments and they find ways to win in big moments. And, you know, in recent years, yes, we've been close, but we ultimately haven't pushed ourselves over the edge and, and shown, you know, in these rivalry games that, that we're going to win when it counts the most. I think that this is the year I, I, I look at the way Coach Harbaugh is carrying himself. I look at a way I look at a way the players talk amongst themselves and about the coaches and about each other's. It's true, genuine love. And football is such a hard sport, man. It's so hard to come in there and beat your body up every day. But when there's, you know, love and passion for one another and you believe in one another, you're going to come to work with a smile on your face and you're going to continue to get better and better and better. And that belief, it's going to feed off itself. So with everything being said, you know, going back to preseason is, you know, no one gave Michigan a shot. They definitely didn't think they'd be where they are right now. And yet here we are with all, you know, you're playing for it. It's all right in front of you. If you win this game, you're going to the big 10 championship for the first time in a long time. And you're beating Ohio state for the first time in a long time. So super excited, man. I'm really, really encouraged by the way these guys have been playing. You know, we're going to need our defensive Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. We're going to need a rough up CJ Stroud early, often, and throughout the entire game, man. Just try to get him beat up and get him uncomfortable in that pocket and try to slow down the explosive Ohio State offense. Jake, as, as a player, when you do lose the rivalry game, how much does that weigh on you next, the, the following season? I mean, is it a cumulative thing? I mean, does it build up over time? Because, I mean, it's been, obviously, it's been eight years now or nine years now, really. Yeah. I mean, th- does that weigh on you psychologically as a player? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, we lost my freshman year and it doesn't necessarily weigh on you as much as it's like, man, we were right there. Like, it's like, wow, like we really could have and should have won that game. And that, that freshman year we were seven and six. And it's like, why are we playing Ohio state? Like something's not right. Like we're way more talented than what we're playing. It's not like, man, you know, you're, you're all down on yourself and it kind of builds each year. Like, and then finally coach Harbaugh comes in and, and we're back on, a respectable national stage where we're winning consistent games and we're ranked in the top 25. And then those, those final games of the season, they're ranked, you know, elite matchups. And you're just like, man, we really should win this game. There's no fear. There's no hesitation. Um, The only one that stung was definitely 2016 with it being, you know, me being a senior playing in Columbus and really, you know, our defense absolutely dominated them. You know, that, that entire game really shouldn't have lost that game. And, 
you know, that team was so talented and we know how special it was in the locker room, but ultimately, you know, you got to win that game to prove it to everybody else. So I've kind of moved past it now. I, I understand it. There's always winners and losers, but definitely felt we should have had that game. And um, those ones sting a little bit more. I wanted to touch on real quick about the, the recruiting aspect of the game. Obviously, when, when you came in, you came in with a class of, I think, nine guys from Ohio. And since then, Michigan hasn't been as much of a player in the state of Ohio on the recruiting trail. Do you think that Michigan needs a win over Ohio State before they can become major players in the state of Ohio, Dan? I think they could could have been and should have been. I just don't think it was emphasized as much as I think we kind of got, got caught with our hand in the cookie jar trying to maybe – see other players from other areas. Um, whereas I think the more you can get guys from Ohio that understand what it means to represent the block M, like, you know, like I, when we were bad my sophomore year and we, we went five and seven and missed the bowl game, I literally was in my tight end coach's office and coach Farino's office, like crying, like telling him like, man, this means so much to me to wear the block M. Like, why are we like problem solving? Like, why are we not succeeding? Whereas if you get guys from other areas, I don't know. I mean, it's cool to play for Michigan, but does it does it mean as much? And it's easier for it to collectively mean as much when the majority it means a lot to. So if you can, you know, have strong roots here in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, the Midwest, um, where guys understand the the magnitude of wearing the winged helmet and, and representing the Block M, it's a narrative and a culture that kind of trickles down throughout the entire program. So. I'm encouraged. It seems like we're kind of getting back to our roots and, and trying to find, you know, the gems out of out of the Midwest. Of course, there's talented players everywhere. And when you bring talent in, that that obviously really matters. But it super it really, really matters when guys understand what it means to to wear the amazing blue. Jake, I, I assume it's fair to say you watch the tight ends maybe a little more closely than than some of the sure. other guys on the field. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Yep. Uh okay. So yeah, I mean, this Michigan team. Uh, you must like it. They're they're not shy about throwing it to him. Eric All, you know, second on the team in catches and yards, and he's got you know the biggest touchdown of the season. Luke Schoonmaker's got three touchdowns. Joel Honigford, you know, in, in the passing game, and I can't forget my man Carter Selzer, the sheriff, as well out there, you know, on special teams and 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 making some key blocks and things like that. I guess what is your impression of, of, of this group as a whole? I love watching these guys play flat out, and and it kind of gets lost in the mix because you've seen so much talent and so many plays being made um, by this Michigan offense, but those guys block their asses off too. You see a lot of Y insert plays where they're kind of off the ball and they're meeting the Mike linebacker right in the hole. That's a big collision and it's tough. And, you know, it takes a certain type of person to get up for that and continually do it throughout the game. And then throughout the season, week in, week out. And I know they're doing it in practice. I know coach Harbaugh practices. So it's a, it's a repetitive action. Those guys stick their head in there. Their blocking is extremely impressive you know, what they've done, catching the ball, you know, even after the catch, Eric all, he punishes guys when he gets the ball in his hands, he lowers the shoulder and he delivers a blow. And obviously he's a super explosive athlete, but you know, the entire group is playing great ball. Jay Harbaugh really doing a great job with them as a coach. And it's super encouraging to see. I think, you know, you go into a game like this and, and uh, you're playing against an extremely explosive Ohio state offense. Can you run the ball? Can you elongate drives? Can you keep their offense on the sideline? Well, what complements running the ball really well is play action and pass to the tight end. Um, you know, easy, comfortable completions to get the offense settled in and ultimately put up points. So I think that's a big recipe and they will be a big part of the game plan this weekend. Jade, when you when you watch this offense, how similar, how different is it compared to the offenses that, that you guys ran when you were at Michigan? 
it's definitely got its own twist. It's still pro style where they're run focused, but it's kind of mixed with modern day football where we were often under center. You know, we were definitely utilizing a fullback a lot more. They haven't necessarily used a fullback as much this year, which I kind of like it. I think you can find other ways to get a yard than a fullback dive. Um, so it, there, there are similarities, but there are differences. I think, you know, they have multiple guys that are running jet sweeps. They have multiple guys that are, you know, doing reverses. Gaddis has his own twist on it. But, you know, I think ultimately what it's about is the players and the talent. And, you know, another another thing we can talk about all day is the offensive line. You know, it's such a luxury to have five big boys up front that can really, you know, just push the line of scrimmage down the field. And you got running backs that are definitely running through arm tackles. They're constantly falling forward. It's a recipe for success. So um, collectively, the talent level seems to be up this year. The guys are playing passionately and as a, as a unit. Um, and we'll need our best this weekend. Yeah, is there something you'll be watching for early in this game that will tell you whether you know your your prediction of, of Michigan getting over the hump and winning this year is correct? Is there is there something battle in the trenches or whether they can actually limit these receivers' big plays? Like, is there something that that'll be a tell? Uh, yeah, there's a few key a few keys to the game. I think you know with Ohio State as explosive as they are, we can't give up the big play. We can't. We have to make them work for seven points. It can't be 60, 70 yard touchdowns. It you know, and that's their mo. I think they're one of the most explosive teams in the entire country. That's been their mo for a while. Super super talented. Can't give up the big play. It's I'd rather give up you know twelve yards and fifteen yards and a sixty yard touchdown. You know because at least you have something to stand behind you. So from a defensive standpoint, let's avoid the big play. And then offensively, can we elongate drives? Are we going to have success running the ball? And we need seven points, all right? Field goals will not win this game against such an explosive offense. We need to score when we when we have the opportunity. Um, and if it's close, special teams are going to be a huge factor. You know, can we, can we kind of get a momentum shift? Can you block a punt? Can you block a field goal? Can you get a huge return in your kick return, punt return game? Those are big momentum swings. So um, if it's close, I hope it's close. I'm looking for special teams to kind of, you know, move the needle and change it in our favor. Ohio State's had some explosive offenses over the years. I'm wondering from what you've seen, where, where you think maybe this this team ranks, you know, with teams in the past, Michigan's had to go up against. You might not like it, man, but they're <laughs> they might be one of the most explosive offenses I've seen. Now you go back a couple of years and you look at that Ohio State team, and this is what's crazy about it is you have Michael Thomas, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have, you know, a couple off, you know, the whole line goes to the NFL. You have multiple tight ends in the NFL. You have Joey Bosa. So you had at one point the highest paid wide receiver, the highest paid running back and the highest paid DN all in the NFL and cornerback, I believe. So not only were they good college players, they were actually the best at their position in the NFL. That is an unbelievable luxury. Time will tell how their talent plays out now, but um, these guys appear to be extremely talented, you know, and then you got CJ Stroud who has really, really improved throughout the season. I think he's playing a really, really strong, you know, season that, that uh, performance he put out against Michigan state was pretty remarkable tying a school record in only the first half against a good Michigan state team. I know their past defense isn't that good, but it's still a big, big game. Um, they're explosive and we're, we will need to be at our best. And, you know, the one thing that settles that and, and kind of, you know, kind of can maybe turn the tide in your favor is a couple shots to the rib and a couple, you know, even if he's throwing the ball and completing it, having those big boys come off the edge and really rough them up and, and, and stick them right in his, his liver and his kidneys. I mean, I hate to say it, it's just football though. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta have to, 
take shots at him, beat him up, bruise him. Maybe that next throw, he's a little short with it because he's worried about those guys coming off the edge. So I'm looking for those guys to be a difference maker early and often. Um, and then our back end is is stay back. You know, let's not let them let's not let them behind us because CJ will make you pay. They'll catch the ball. Stay back. Let them hit the underneath routes. Come up, rally, tackle, and make them earn it. Yeah, I think I said this on our last podcast, but it would be interesting to see like how if how many different quarterbacks would be a Heisman candidate this year with Ohio State's offensive line and, and the receivers. It's just been insane with how much separation these 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 separate receivers have been able to get this year. I mean, even last week, it's like you're getting six, seven, eight yards downfield of separation on on some of these DBs. It's just it's unheard of in the Big Ten. But yeah, 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 it will be it will be fascinating to watch for sure. I don't think Stroud has faced a pass rush duo like Hutchinson and, and Ojabo either. So a lot of interesting storylines heading into this week for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you look at Ryan day and, you know, very much credit to him and, you know, his offensive system, you know, last week they identified that Michigan state was a bad passing defense. And what they were able to do was incorporate short passes rather than try to force the run. I thought that, you know, they're just saying, Hey, let's get our ball. Let's get the ball in our playmakers hands early and make Michigan state proved to us that they can stop it. And they ultimately did it. So those guys are extremely dangerous, you know, down the field, catching the ball, but also if they get the ball in their hands in the backfield, they're not exactly big imposing figures, but they break tackles. They make you miss. They, they kind of get you off balance and make plays. So, you, you know, they're going to dial up some, some very creative pass concepts to try to expose our defense. Uh, but I think coach McDonald's done a great job this season um, our defense is much less predictable than it has been in recent years. So hopefully we can play our best performance, call our best game defensively, and, and really make them earn it this weekend. Keys to the game. Avoid, limit Ohio State's big plays, make C.J. Stroud think about some of his internal body parts, <laughs> all right? Yeah. And, and keep one of your biggest weapons, uh, Jake Moody, uh, relegate him to extra points. Yes. That seems yeah. to be seems to be Jake Butt's keys, and I can't disagree. I mean, it, may, it makes it makes a lot of sense. There's a pathway to victory here. I mean, it's not it's not crazy. It's not. There have been some of these recent years where it kind of would have been. You say Michigan needs to play their best, but they've almost needed to play better than they were capable of. It's not the case in this game. They they have it. They have it in them. There's a blueprint there. You know, actually making it happen is another story, but it's yeah it's there. When you're you know when you're such an explosive offense. It can be frustrating when, you know, your eyes are downfield looking to connect on that big post or that shot down the sideline and it's not there. And then all of a sudden, now you have to flip your feet and quickly get to your check down the underneath route. Well, that's split second. Not only are you not giving up the pass, that's another split second that our pass rushers can get in there and get a hand in the chest and get a shot on them. So now you're taking a shot and only completing a five, six yard pass. That wears on you throughout the game. It's like, man, it's frustrating. We want the easy play, which they've become accustomed to all season. So, again, it can kind of flip. There's so much of a momentum and narrative aspect about football is if you can make them earn it, maybe they might start to have some disbelief and we start to have the belief that matters down the stretch. Some Jake. Well, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate your time. And I guess before we go, I mean, so yeah, you, you said you, you're thinking about getting into broadcasting in the media. What, what kind of spurred that after, after you retired this, this year? Well, it's always been something. I mean, when I watch the game of football, I watch it with the critical eyes. If I'm a coach or a broadcaster, I, I love listening to the, the best guy, you know, the best color commentators talk. And I guess 
I just think I can do it. I think I can do it, man. Is I think you see the fans see the end result. They see the process of why a play succeed, or they see the, a play succeed, and they're looking for someone to tell them why and be able to do it in an instant. And I've always watched the game of football that way. And you know, it'd just be cool to get that opportunity. We'll see if it comes. Um, you know, but you know, things like this are are fun for me to just talk the game of football, regardless. So it'll all work out, man. Very good deal. And yeah, once once again, Jake Butt, you can listen to him in his podcast, uh, The Players Podcast. Already has had quite a few uh, Michigan players on. And like you said, he'll have an Ohio State player on in his latest episode. And I, I guess we should probably end on, on a pretty serious note. I want to ask you something. What is the best butt joke you have heard? <laughs> probably something <laughs> I can't say on air, you know? <laughs> Dude, man, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Maybe the best butt joke was when, uh, you know, after I graduated and I got a deal with Charmin and they delivered a dump truck full of toilet paper to my house. <laughs> Not only was that a good joke, but it was a paid marketing thing. So it was a win-win for everybody, a dump truck. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah, once again, we appreciate you, you coming on and, and best of luck to you in the future. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Take care. All right. All right.